Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey guys, Andy Baldacci here, and welcome back to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. This week, I'm talking with New York Times bestselling author, the most retweeted person in the world by digital marketers, and online customer service expert, Jay Baer. To say I'm excited is an understatement. Jay's built and sold several digital agencies in his career and today operates Convince and Convert, a strategic consultancy that helps companies create more customers and keep the ones they've already earned. This isn't an episode covering the same old marketing stuff that everybody else talks about. Instead, Jay and I are going to dive into the research behind his new book, Hug Your Haters, to learn why customer service is the new marketing and how your agency can benefit. If you're a digital marketing agency and aren't in this space yet, then you and your clients are missing out on a serious opportunity. So without further ado, here's Jay. All right, Jay, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Andy, delighted to be here. I appreciate you having me on the show. This is going to be fun. Of course. Yeah, so you just published the book, Hug Your Haters, which is great, by the way. Thank you. But so in it, you cover kind of the research you did showing how customer services is now a spectator sport and how that's changed the whole field. But what led you to doing this research? Because at Convince and Convert, you're primarily more traditional digital marketing. So how did you even say, let me look into customer service? Yeah, you know, I, I try and think in adjacencies, right? So when I solve problems, either as a consultant or as a speaker, or as an author, I try to think about what's the next natural problem or what's the adjacent problem. So, for example, I started off in politics. My original career was as a political consultant, ran campaigns. So it's a very interesting time of the year for me. Uh, I went from politics to traditional corporate marketing. I went from corporate marketing to digital marketing. So, so you can sort of see the adjacencies there, right? They all kind of touch. The way we kind of came up with the hug your haters approach is that on the consulting side of my business, we work with lots of big brands on social media strategy, content strategy, et cetera. And, and what I kept seeing in these assignments was companies were asking us, well, hey, can you help us kind of think through how social media marketing intersects with social media customer service? Or can you help us with a social media crisis plan? Or how does social media customer service differ from traditional customer service in terms of customer expectations, et cetera. And so I discovered, Andy, that that kind of right under my nose, that customer service is being disrupted in the exact same ways that marketing has been disrupted and, and actually by the same things and for the same reasons. So it's mobile, it's social media, it's millennial culture, it's consumer behavior changes. The exact same movie that we've seen that we've been talking about for marketing in the last five years is now being applied to customer service. And so I sort of sat up one day and said, my God, this is the same thing. It's just a different department of the organization. And so um, I, I sort of looked around and thought, you know, there's like 500 books about marketing <laughs> disruption, including some written by me. There's about zero books written on customer service disruption. That seems like an opportunity. I said, I wonder if there's something there. So unlike most business books, including most business books written by me, uh, which are frankly a collection of anecdotes and advice, right? It's I'm an expert, you're not, here's what I think, do what I say, because you trust me. doesn't make them invalid. It's just that most business books are based on anecdotes and advice. It's just a fact. But I thought, you know, 
if I'm going to go into this kind of adjacency, this this customer service model, uh, and my premise is that customer service is the new marketing, it's the way to s- differentiate your business, I need to make sure that there's real research underneath that. So I conducted a massive research project and, and spent tons of time and money on it to make sure that the advice and counsel contained in the pages of Hug Your Haters is actually true, right? It's based on math, not just like Jay thinks this is smart. So, um, <laughs> right. and it turned out really well and, and, uh, and, and it's, it's working great. We're starting to do a lot of, uh, a lot of consulting work now, um, on, on that side of the aisle too. Yeah. And so when you started this, did you have kind of an idea of what you thought the result was going to be like? Like, did you go and say like, yeah, all right, this is what customers, this is the answer to customer service. Like what, what did you think going into the it was, project? What's amazing, at least it's amazing to me. Maybe everybody else thinks this is a, a boring story, but, um, I started, I started out to write a totally different book. Okay. So the original title of the book was an hour or less. And the premise was that speed is the killer app, that that speed is the most important thing in business, that if you're faster, you're better, that if you can be more responsive to your customers more quickly, that that will gain you customers, etc. Well, in the research um, that I did, because my thought was, okay, let's prove whether that's true. So I hired a research organization, Edison Research, great guys, great, great outfit. So we did all the research. To, to sort of prove that speed is the most important thing and that you do have to respond under an hour, et cetera. Well, Andy, we discovered that that wasn't true. <laughs> so my my thesis was incorrect. Now, l- let me say speed is important. It's very important. In fact, I talked about it in the book. But what we discovered is that it's not the most important. The most important is actually less complicated than that. It's just showing up. What we discovered is that one third of all customer complaints are ignored, totally ignored. And almost all of those complaints that are ignored are online in social media, discussion boards, ratings and review sites, etc. Ironically, the places where people can see that you have ignored them. So we're really good at answering uh, customer complaints in private. We're not very good at answering customer complaints in public. And that's probably upside down. Literally, you'd probably be better off as a business answering every third phone call and answering every Facebook comment. But of course, that's not how the real world works, at least not yet. So the research said, oh, the speed thing isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is to answer customer complaints everywhere and every time. Therefore, I wrote a different book and called it Hug Your Haters. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. And I think I like what you said there at the end and you say it in the book. You say answer every customer every time on every channel. To someone who, especially to traditional businesses who are like kind of just coming around to the web and even social media, that seems impossible. How do people even get started trying to answer? Like answering the phone is hard enough. Like how do they – think to respond to everybody in every channel on Yelp, on Twitter, on wherever it may be. Well, some of it's just cultural, right? Is to, is to believe that you should, is to say, look, we are going to commit to interacting with our customers in the venues that our customers prefer, not the venues that we prefer. So, so some of it, you have to kind of have your mindset right about that and say, look, if the customer wants to reach us on WhatsApp, well, then we're going to do that. If they want to send us a fax, we're going to answer the fax machine. And you know what's funny about this, Andy? You're right. It is disruptive and people freak out all the time. Like, wait, you're talking about that I've got to answer every Yelp review and you're talking about that I got to answer every tweet. I'm like, well, yeah, but remember, it wasn't that long ago and I'm old enough to remember these days where we didn't have email. And I remember what companies would say because I was a in business at this time. I was a young a young kid, but I was in business before we had email. My first job, we didn't have email. So people would be like, oh, my God, how are we going to answer all these questions in this electronic messaging, right? And And we figured out a way to do it. We don't have the resources to do that. Well, we made the resources. Why? 
because our customers demanded it. And, and it's the same thing now. Customers are demanding that you interact with them in these new venues. And so it's just a matter of time before everybody has to kind of fall in line with the hug your haters approach. But but from an actual operational standpoint, Andy, you have to you've got to listen harder, right? So so you have to, you know, you have to put more time in it because one of the big differences between the online and the offline complaints is that, you know, if somebody calls you, your phone rings. If they email you, it shows up in your inbox. Social media is a little different, right? If they complain on your Facebook page, you'll see it. But if they're bitching about you somewhere else that isn't, you know, territory that you own and control online, it's a little harder to find it. And so that's why, you know, social media listening software and things like that are really important because if you can't find the complaint, you certainly can't answer it. I can I can just kind of hear the collective sigh of all these businesses and like, is this just another cost center? Like, all right, I need to spend more money on on software to do this and on people to respond and all that. Like, is this a cost center? Well, it's certainly more costly, but it's not a cost center. Uh, one of the things that we put a lot of time into in the research is to prove the the value of responding to customers. So, if you answer a customer complaint, it increases that customer's advocacy by up to 25%. In fact, there's other research, not for me, but there's other research that's well documented in the industry that says that customers who had a complaint and that complaint was successfully addressed become more loyal than customers who never had a complaint at all. So you start to model that out over time and it has real revenue impacts. Now, not doing this has revenue impacts as well on the opposite side of the ledger. Not answering a customer complaint, blowing them off as we often do online, decreases customer advocacy by up to 59%. So you're basically ensuring that that customer will not come back, right? You're basically saying, well, we write those guys off forever. Uh, it takes a bad situation and, and it makes it, and it makes it worse. So does this take resources to, to do, to answer everybody? Yes. But if you model it out, it should be revenue positive, right? Because even a 5% increase in customer retention can increase profits by 25 to 85% because of the multiplier effect that customer retention offers. Your, your customers stay with you, and so it builds geometrically, and you have to spend less money on marketing because you, you already keep those customers, right? So when people say, and I hear this all the time, we don't have the resources to do what you're asking us to do, I say, well, that's completely bullshit. Of course you have the resources. You just don't spend them this way. You know, to take take ten percent of your marketing budget and put it into customer service, and you have this problem solved. Yeah, and so my immediate thought is that this has a lot of overlap with like the the kind of in the startup world, everyone's talking about customer success. But I've when I've read a lot of the thought leaders there, when even like some of their books, they're very clear that like customer service is distinct from customer success. And so, how do you see the two kind of playing together in that role? What I would say customer success, um, where it differs, is that it's more consultative, right? Where you are you are helping um, the customer along, right? You are educating the customer. You are ensuring that they're using the product uh, optimally, et cetera. Uh, customer service is typically reactive, right? Where somebody has a problem and you answer. Where customer success, I think, done well is more proactive. In fact, the last part of Hug Your Haters, I talk about the future of customer service and one of the one of the parts I, I I point to is what I call predictive customer service and using big data to to flag problems and solve them before the customer even knows it is a problem. And a lot of what's happening right now, I mean, customer success is based on that, right? Where you look into your dashboard and you're like, hey, this customer hasn't logged in in the last three days. That's a typical flag. Let's nudge them and say, hey, come, you haven't logged in. That's a customer success model. A customer service model 
would be the customer doesn't log in for three days uh, or lost their password, and that's why they haven't logged in, and they have to complain, so I can't find my password. And then in a reactive capacity, you answer that problem. Both are important. In many industries, though, the the, the true customer success path of being predictive and consultative is, is more difficult, right? If you're selling licorice you know, or popcorn or whatever, the, there really is no – there's no meat on the customer success bone, unfortunately. But for B2B, 100%. Right. And so, yeah, there's almost like a kind of a Venn diagram of customer service and customer success. So when you get predictive, that's when there's the overlap. I can see that. The problem that I see is that most people, and you mentioned this a lot, so this is all just me kind of prompting you here, but it's like most people think they do a great job of customer service. And so like they're probably just going to blow this off even when they like read the title of this podcast and maybe get to the show notes. Like, oh, like I already know this stuff already. Like our customers love us. But what is that the case? Nope. <laughs> no, it's not. And that's, I got to tell you, as an author, it's, it is, it is hard and scary to write a book on customer service. Uh, it's way harder than writing a book on marketing because everybody knows that marketing has been disrupted. Everybody knows that marketing changes every day. Everybody knows how important marketing is, especially now when all the old ways don't work. And I've written lots of books about it and all those kind of things, right? It, it, you know, everybody knows, but customer service People and people are still using a 1995 playbook to solve 2016 customer problems, and they're doing that willingly because they think it still works, right? There, there hasn't been this awakening yet, and I hope this book solves this problem. There hasn't been this awakening yet, like oh my god, like we've got to totally change the way we do customer service. That, that just hasn't really that 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 pig hasn't moved through the snake yet of business, um, and and the data on on that is from Bain. Bain has an amazing and fascinating study that says that 80 percent of businesses. 80% say that they deliver superior customer service. 8% of their customers agree. Okay, so it's kind of like, what's the study? There's the stat, like 91% of people think they're great drivers or something like that. Like it's not right, exactly. not possible. Uh, and But here's why that's true. Okay, so I, I, I've been thinking about that stat for a long time. Like how could that actually be true? Like that doesn't make any sense. Here's why it's true. So if you ask a business, are you good at customer service? they instantly think about their competitive set only. And they say, well, yeah, we're better than the other guys that do whatever it is that you do. Yeah, we deliver superior service. When you ask customers, does this business supply superior customer service, they don't think about that business in the context of their core competition. They think about that business in the context of the greatest companies in the world. And and this is such an important point, I think, Andy, is that it doesn't matter whether you're not doing this or other people in your business category are not doing this yet because the best companies in the world are training your customers what to expect, right? Whether it's Zappos or Ritz-Carlton or Southwest or JetBlue or KLM or any of the other amazing examples we have in the book, um, anytime a customer interacts with those businesses, you're like, wow, this is what customer service and customer success could be. And then they go work with your company and it's like four steps below that. They're not going to give you a pass just because you're not in that industry, at least not for much longer. A lot of our audience is primarily geared towards digital agency owners. And one of the big things that I've had guests on talk about is having a strong positioning statement about saying what you do very clearly tie it to benefits. And, but so many kind of the middling agencies that are having trouble growing, when you ask them what they do, they're like, well, we're a full service digital agency, but like we really care about our customer or like we put the customer first, and it, but they don't. And so what are the things that any company, any agency, anybody can do to actually kind of embody this? Like what are the important things? I get the, the big picture is listen, respond, be proactive and be, and make sure you always respond. But like, 
how can we dig a little deeper? Like, what are the actual things they can apply to do a better job of this? Well, what's what's funny is that I've never in my whole long career been in a meeting where somebody walked in and said, you know what? We're, we suck at customer service. Like, nobody, nobody's website doesn't say that they care about the customers. Like, it's it's universally on every website. So, therefore, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. So, so if you're gonna if you're gonna differentiate with customer service, right, and you're gonna be better at this than the other guys, you have to prove it. You can't just say it. So, for example, in my business, our rule is, generally speaking, uh, we respond to every customer inquiry, phone, email, smoke signal, everything within ten minutes. Wow. Okay. Um, we are on retainer. In fact, many of our clients are agencies. Uh, we've got a number of agencies that we support every day. Uh, we are on retainer to help them with their digital thinking. We have an email address that goes to every single person in the company. So if one of our clients needs something, they, they send it to that email address. It goes to everybody so that we can respond instantaneously um, to whatever that particular agency needs. Um, so some of it's just being responsive, right? Just being fast. Um, and, and agencies, and, and you know, I've I've started five digital agencies in my career. I, I, I speak from experience here. A- agencies think they're fast, but aren't actually fast because it's just it's, it's a different perception of speed, really. Right, and that was something. There was a podcast I listened uh, of yours a few years back, and you said that the best way to differentiate yourself in professional service isn't necessarily with quality or being smarter than anyone else, but it's just by being responsive, by being faster than them. And that that alone has kind of put more money in your family's pocket and, and gotten you guys farther ahead just by just being pick faster. Up the phone, right? I mean, I, right. I get inbound inquiries every single day for speaking, which is great, and I'm so thankful for it. Um, but but I, if somebody goes on my website, jbear.com, and, and sends me a lead for speaking, I will typically respond to that email within 30 seconds. Wow. And, and that changes the entire dynamic of that relationship. Now, it's not always possible to so on a plane, whatever. But if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm at the desk, that's the, that's the SLA that I keep, right? And so from, from the 30 seconds into the relationship, like, wow, this guy is serious. This guy wants our business. This is, you know, th- this is a different type of, of, uh, of environment. And look, l- let, me, let me say it this way. We talk all the time about great customer experience, right? Mm-hmm. It's... Every conference, every book, every everything, right? We constantly talk about great customer experience. But what we never do is talk about what great customer experience means. Like what is it? It, it, it almost is without definition. It's like, well, okay, yeah, I agree. We should have a great customer experience. But what is it? It's almost like pornography, right? You know it when you see it. But I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what great customer experience really is, and I've done a lot of work on this. Great customer experience is when you exceed somebody's expectations, in a way that is noticeable and demonstrable, okay? Because every time somebody interacts with you in business, they have an expectation in their head for how that's going to go. Now, they may not be able to write it down. They may not be able to voice it, but but it's there. It's an inkling in your head. Like if you send somebody an email, you call them, you, you ask them a proposal, whatever it is, you have an inkling in your head of how that's going to go. Well, if you can massively exceed that expectation in some way, that difference between expectation and actual is the great customer experience. That's what it is, right? So as in an agency environment, what you've got to do is say, okay, let's audit every single touch point we have with customers and potential customers, with clients and potential clients, and let's figure out what we can do that is massively bigger, better, different than their expectations, right? Can we be faster? Can we be funnier? Can we be nicer? Can we be 
cheaper? Can, you know, what, what can we do that we can own that when we say, hey, describe these people, right, in three words, that difference shows up in those three words, right? You have to figure out what you can own. It's similar to the messaging test that you talked about. But for me, it's the actual behavior test. Right. 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 No, do you actually live up to that? Do you do what, what you say you do? And so for, for you guys at, at Convince Convert, I know you're not a, an agency. You're kind of strategic consultants. But do you brand yourself in a way that makes it clear that you're so responsive? Or is that almost just kind of gravy? No, because if if you brand it that way, then you're setting the expectation. If you set the expectation, you can't exceed it. So that's why it's got to be almost a surprise, right? Or or if somebody's gonna if somebody's gonna tip you off to that, it needs to be a third party. Let me give you an example. So there's an amusement park by my house uh, called Holiday World, and it's in Santa Claus, Indiana, uh, and it's family owned. Uh, been family owned for like 80 years. And because they're family owned and they're in the middle of nowhere, they don't really have, you know, they don't have like Harry Potter or Spider-Man or, you know, whatever. Uh, they have Christmas land and Thanksgiving land and Halloween land. Like this is, this is the way it works. So they're really, really good at customer experience at, at sort of that exceeding expectations part. And what it creates is, is a talk trigger because when you exceed customer expectations in, in a way that's very obvious, it almost forces people to tell people about it. It creates that word of mouth effect that we care about, but, but it shocks them into talking about it. I mean, so many people come up to me and say, uh, I've heard how fast you guys are at response, uh, you know, at responding. That's really amazing. Or my, my business card, as you may know, is a bottle opener, right? It's been a bottle opener for eight years. Um, it's, it's a, it's a different expectation of what a business card could be. People write blog posts about it and talk to me about it all the time. It's a talk trigger, right? It forces people to talk about it. So Holiday World has this thing where unlike any other amusement park that I'm familiar with in the U.S., they have free soda. So there's, there's stations all over the amusement park where you just bring a cup and you get free, you know, Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, whatever you want. Free soda as much as you want. You can drink gallons of soda a day if you want. Well, that is a way different sort of set of circumstances than what you would expect. Usually it's like $8 for a soda in an amusement park, right? So it totally exceeds your expectations, which creates this great customer experience, builds this talk trigger, and forces people to talk about it. The way I know that is that the number one amusement park in America, number one out of the hundreds of amusement parks there are, on average TripAdvisor rating is Holiday World, family-owned in Santa Claus, Indiana. It's not Disney. It's not Six Flags. <laughs> it's none of those guys. It's Holiday World. And if you look at their actual TripAdvisor reviews, they've got like 1,300 five-star reviews. Every single one of them mentions free soda. Wow. All of them. Your expectations when you go to a place like that are you're going to get gouged on those little things just all day. And when you go and you're like, it's free? Like that, that's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, and, and to go back to your question a moment ago about, about cost, does it cost them money to give free soda? Of course it does. But but they get it back a million-fold on the back end on, on customer experience, on reputation, on positive reviews, etc. Right? It's not a cost. It's an investment. It does cost more money, but again, like you said, it's not a cost center because if you do it right, and doing it even kind of 50% right in the current market is going to be way better than anyone else. But like if you do it right, it's going to, you're going to stand out. Let's go a little deeper there. In the book, there were, you identified two different types of haters. They were on stage and off stage or public and private. Let's start with the private complaints because those are probably more relevant to agency owners. So how should companies respond to private complaints? Well, you've got to answer them all because they expect you to answer, right? So the research shows that 90% of the people who call or email expect a reply, right? It's just, it's the way business has been 
evolved over the last 20 years. And so when you answer a customer complaint um, in in email or via phone, you increase their advocacy, but just a little bit because they, they're like, well, yeah, I mean, you answer the phone. Like I'm not going to, you know, that's not really worthy of a high five. Um, but because everybody expects it, if you don't answer that complaint, uh, the decrease in advocacy is massive, 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 right? So you, you've got to continue to answer, uh, to answer those people. And ironically, you've got to do it faster than you think, right? So we talked about the importance of speed a minute ago, but email in particular is one that, that we're actually somewhat amazingly getting worse at, not better. So the research shows, not for me, but research that we cited for the book, found that in 2015, the average amount of time it takes a business to reply to an email is 44 hours. That's almost two days. It's a long time, right? In, in, in a digital marketing environment, two days is a long time. Now, what's crazy about that, Andy, is that the year before, it was 36 hours. So we're actually it's getting awesome. slower at yeah. email, not faster. Now, Significantly think, slower. Yeah, I mean, that's 20% or whatever, um, 25%. I th- what, what, the reason I think that is, this is completely conjecture on my part, but I think the reason that's true is that businesses are putting more emphasis on social media and they're taking resources away from email and, and redeploying them to online. Um, and so it's actually making email slower while they're trying to get because better at social. For stuff. them, it's almost zero sum. They're not right. adding not, more yeah, resources, not, just it's, shipping yeah, exactly. it around. It's not new resources. It's just a resource reallocation. Uh, and I think that's what's, what's happening. And, and actually, in a customer service scenario, you see this all the time. Maybe this has happened to you. I know it's happened to at least some of the listeners where you email a business and they don't get back to you. And so you're thinking, okay, these guys are blowing me off. And now you're twice pissed, right? You're mad about whatever you're mad about to begin with. And now you're double mad because they can't get back to you. And so now you do take it public, right? So now you go light them up on Twitter or Facebook or Yelp or whatever else, right? And and then after you do that, then you get the email. And you're like, well, if you just would have sent this email faster, we wouldn't have this problem. You're right. I... I'm not typically like a, a public complainer. And just to be clear, when you, when you say hater, you don't mean in like mean a very literal sense. No, right. I don't mean troll. We talk about trolls in the book, but, <laughs> but, but in the parlance of the book, when I say hater, I mean anybody who complains. I mean, realistically, the book should say hug your complainers, but that's a terrible book title. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. I just want to be clear. Like, I'm not a hater. If I'm in a restaurant or business or whatever and something annoying but not completely awful happens, I'll just remember and not go back. But I'm not going to take the time to actually say something. If something really bad happens, I'll send an email and usually that's the end of it. I hate going on the phone, but for like some bigger companies, I really just don't trust their email support. So I know I'll have to go on the phone and talk to a real person and get an answer. And that's usually where it ends. But then there are those times, and I know listeners can relate to this, where the person on the phone does absolutely nothing to help. And you don't even think they understand what your problem actually is. So while I wish this was rare, it's really not that rare. But those are the times where I'll think about going to social media. And I know I may be a little quirky, but I don't think that thought process is too uncommon. And it just seems like if these companies would just make their email and phone support not suck... I wouldn't be bothering them in public on social media in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there's a real lesson there for agencies um, in, in being predictive and proactive about service, right? And this actually turns the agency business more into a SaaS model with customer success like you talked about earlier. And I try to do this and convince and convert. I don't do it nearly as well as I should. Uh, and, and it's one of my goals this year now that the book is out is to really double down on this, to just be making calls, you know, for no reason to clients and be like, how's it going? How's it going? How's it going? You know, don't wait for them to, to say that they've got an issue. Just always be proactive. Let me tell you a little story about that that I love. So 
there's a, a guy that I met at a conference like two, three years ago, and he is an oral surgeon. And he's in uh, the Northeast, and his name's Glenn Gorab, and and he does a thing that is so smart and so simple. I'm like, why doesn't every business person steal this idea? And I hope listeners will. So, oral surgeon. Nobody's ever like, yeah, awesome, oral surgeon. I can't wait to go. Clear my schedule. Like, no, nobody's psyched about that, right? And he understands that. And so, what he does is every Friday he has his office staff send him an email with the names and email addresses, or sorry, the names and phone numbers of every new patient who's coming in the next week for the first time. And then on Saturday and Sunday, when he's just laying around or driving his car or at brunch or whatever, he calls every single one of those new patients and says, hi, I'm Glenn. Uh, I'm the oral surgeon. I'm told that you're coming in next week for the first time. Uh, do you have any questions before you show up? And it has an extraordinary impact on people. It totally sets the relationship up because nobody does that. No doctor calls you in advance. And he says it's totally built his practice. He gets people coming in every week who say, I chose you because you're the doctor who called my friend Mary before she ever came to see you, right? And I'm like, man, that's so simple. Why don't we do that? Right. And it doesn't – those are things where it might be hard to get like pure metrics on. But when you – I'm sure when you when the patients come in and you can look at – at kind of the after effects of it is clear the impact it has, especially and it circles back to what you're saying is is beat the expectations. Like and like in this case, he kills the expectations because for most one expectations of going to an oral surgeon are, are low. My my girlfriend's actually a dentist; she's doing her pediatric dentistry residency right now, so it's a little bit different for her. But it's still like no one really likes going there, and so if if you can make it into a good experience and show them that you actually care, that's that's game changing. Yeah. It really is smart, you know, and some of it is 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 also understanding where problems might occur, mm-hmm. and just realizing let's invest in in changing people's sort of horizon line about that before it can really cause an issue. So there's a uh, a business that I talk about in the book called Fresh Brothers Pizza, and they have a chain of 14 pizza restaurants in Southern California, and their owner Debbie Goldberg is super smart about this kind of stuff. Um, she really does turn customer service into customer success. Uh, and, and so what she does is on weekends in particular, there's a couple of her stores that get super busy. Uh, and as a result, sometimes the pizzas go out late and delivery doesn't come on time or the pizza can be made a little more sloppy than they'd like to because people are, people are, you know, hustling and that kind of thing. So what she does in those circumstances is she puts a, a, a coupon into the box for delivery with a little handwritten note that says, hey, uh, it got really busy. I don't, this, I don't know if this got to you on time. It may or may not have. But either way, uh, we just love you as a customer. Thanks so much, right? So whether or not it was late is immaterial. It might be late, but she just wants to make sure that this customer feels supported. And so that way they never have to get to the point where they have to log a complaint. And for an agency, that kind of thinking, I think, is really, really helpful. Now, the other thing I want to talk to you about, Andy, is that I think, and I did a webinar about this the other day, I think the kind of things I'm talking about, customer success, customer experience, customer service, is a massive opportunity for digital agencies to to, to provide services in this area. Um, customer service is the new marketing. It is a way to stand out. And I think lots of agencies listening to professional service providers can do some of the same kind of work that we're doing now at Customer at uh, Convince and Convert with, with customer service audits and, and competitive analysis of how problems are handled and all that kind of stuff. There's a real revenue opportunity here for agencies, I believe. Yeah. And so what is, what do those types of engagements look like for you? Like, is it someone just saying like, Hey, we know this is a problem. We know we're not doing well with this. Like, what do we do? Like, how, how do you typically approach uh, a situation like that? 
So because we're not an agency, because we're a strategy firm, we have maybe a slightly different array of services that we would get involved in. But but we typically would, would address this um, potentially a few different ways. So one would be uh, a speech. We just come out and, and do a do a keynote and, and kind of get people in a corporation understanding the importance of these issues. We would potentially come in and do a workshop, half-day or full-day workshop on – uh, advanced customer service and customer experience principles, some of the things we've talked about in this conversation. Uh, we would potentially come in and do an assessment where we look at all of their existing online and offline customer service and customer experience initiatives. We'd also look at competitors and we put together a SWOT analysis of of who's doing it well, where are the opportunities, where are they weak, uh, and kind of look at the state of the union and say, okay, here's the audit. Um, the next piece we might do is is a full-blown strategic plan where we'd say, okay, let's take a look at what you're doing today and then what should you be doing for the next year uh, and, and what, are the, what are the pieces to ramp up. So we need to add resources, we need new software, we need a new process, we need whatever we need and, and sort of kind of map that out for them over the next year. Uh, and in some cases, actually right now, we're doing research. So one of our clients – is Pella Windows and Doors, custom windows and doors company. So they have lots of reviews, almost all very positive. They're a good company. They really care about customers, you know, in a in a disproportionate way. I mean, they they really this is like in their DNA. It's in their bones. But what's hard for them is that they, like many other companies, um, have a bunch of bad reviews on some of these sites like consumeraffairs.com and some of these other places that are essentially shakedowns. Um and and so they're concerned that even though the preponderance of their reviews are very, very positive, there's some out there that are very, very negative. And so they're not sure whether or not that's having an impact on their customers. So so we are conducting a research project where we're, we're actually surveying Pella customers to say, okay, when you when you bought Windows – did you look at reviews? If so, which ones? How much of an impact do reviews have on your purchasing, et cetera, to really understand in their business, you know, what is the actual revenue impact of this kind of customer feedback in public to, to be able to decide how much resources to put against it in the future. So we're doing some of that kind of work too. And, and we're not uniquely qualified to do that work. Lots of agencies with smart strategy departments can do it. If a digital agency wanted to get into this space and do less necessarily of the higher level strategy, but be more of the boots on the ground type of like work. What is the implementation like of those strategies? I How think do it's those- a lot. So for yeah. agencies, I would say software recommendations, right? So let's audit what software you're using and, and then let's figure out whether we need different software. Um, so that's one part of it. I would definitely for agencies think about um, doing scenario modeling. Okay. So if a customer says this, how do we handle it? Right. If a customer says this, how do we handle it? So this, not necessarily scripts. So that's certainly one thing that people can do. But I'm not a big believer in scripting responses. I think you want guidelines, not not word for word scripts. But that's absolutely something that agencies can help with. Um, I would say crisis plans. So if this thing goes, you know, goes completely crazy, like what happens then? Who gets notified? What's the story? Um, I think training new employees who are on the front line, especially in social media, something that agencies can help with. Um, I would say uh, you might also um, think about how can we go back and answer old questions or complaints that might have been left years ago, right? So there might be three or four-year-old Yelp reviews out there that are just sitting there. Go out and figure out how to address those, you know, backwards and say, okay, we didn't used to answer here. Now we do. What does that look like? And the other piece that I think is really important for agencies to consider is how do we get 
better customer feedback and more customer feedback, right? So how can we nudge customers to, to provide positive reviews or to, or to, or to reach out in a, in a positive context? And so there's lots of different uh, opportunities there. Even secret shopper stuff, I think, is something that agencies could do. That makes sense. And, and one thing I'm thinking is that you mentioned getting more feedback. And I like that's that's a scary thing for a lot of businesses. Because, yeah, in my mind, it's just like, oh, no, like it's just going to open up a whole can of worms. Like I, I don't want to hear from them. Like I, if, if I don't hear from them, then that means that I'm doing a good job and people kind of just out of sight, out of mind thing. But the one of the points you really drive home in, in the book is that the feedback's an opportunity, positive or negative. And, and positive is almost less an opportunity than the negative because you can't really act on it. Well, you, you can, but you're not going to change somebody's advocacy ratio, right? Um, and, and you should. I mean, you, you should acknowledge positive feedback if, if possible, um, I believe. But the negative has has more of an opportunity. But the other thing is that – well, let me say it this way, Andy. The most overrated thing in business, and, and maybe it's the most overrated thing in life, is praise. Like praise is totally overrated. So every time somebody says, oh, you're great at this, you're great at that, it makes you feel great, but but it doesn't actually teach you anything because in almost every case, you already know what you're good at. What teaches you things and what makes you a better company is negative feedback and criticism, right? So you actually want – if somebody's if somebody's got a problem, you want them to tell you. You want them to tell you so that you know about it. So that maybe you can make that person happy. But even if you can't, at least you know about it so you can do something to prevent it from happening again. And, and, and that is, I think, an easy concept, but it's really, really hard for people to actually put into practice. There's a, an amazing example I talk about in the book from La Pan Quotidienne, which is a, a chain of uh, bakeries and cafes. They're, they're based in Brussels. They have about 220 locations, some in Southern California, uh, some in the Northeast uh, in the U.S. And, and when their director of customer experience, uh, her name is Erin Pepper, when she started there two years ago, she said, look, my goal is to triple the number of complaints that we get. <laughs> that seems crazy. Right? She wants to triple the number of complaints. It does seem crazy. But she understands that every complaint is an opportunity, is a lesson. It's free market research, right? She doesn't want to be a worse business. Just be a better business. And complaints are the Petri dish for improvement. It makes perfect, rational, logical sense, but like it just goes against everything that like I, I cringe when I think about it, but it, you're right. It's like it's the, the medicine that you need to take. Yeah, and it's hard because customer service is often irrational mm -hmm. because it's emotional, especially for small businesses, right? I mean, if you get a negative review, negative feedback, you know, mean phone call, whatever, it's really hard, right? Because it's essentially like somebody saying that your baby's ugly. And it's just difficult to take, especially for small business. Um, in fact, one of my favorite parts of the book is we interviewed some psychiatrists and said, hey, what happens to your brain chemistry when you're confronted with negativity? And they're like, yeah, you, you go completely haywire, right? You, your, your whole brain chemistry changes. And so that's one of the things that's really hard about this because my advice is to answer quickly, but you can't answer um, reactively because that's where you get these circumstances where somebody says something bad and then you freak out and make it way worse, right? We've all seen those examples, right? Where the business is like, well, if you think that, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 And it's like, whoa, bro, I know you, you just felt better, but that's not going to serve you well down the road. Um, so you just got to be careful that you don't fly off the handle. I love that Jay has an example ready for everything. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. But when we come back, Jay's going to answer the age-old question. Is the customer actually always right? So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just 30 seconds. 
The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without all the crazy fees. Where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, let's get back to Jay. People might assume like, okay, does that mean it's like the customer's always right thing? Like I need to just placate every complaint and then like, won't that mean I'm going to just get a bunch of more people trying to get something for free out of me? Like how do you kind of find the balance between that? Yeah, I mean the customer's not always right, but the customer should always be heard. You know, I'm not saying that you have to satisfy every customer. I'm saying you have to reply to every customer for a couple of reasons. One, a customer isn't always right. Sometimes the customer's a jerk. Sometimes the customer's an idiot. Sometimes the customer's wrong. Sometimes the customer's trying to take advantage of you. Um, so, so that is true. Um, so I'm not saying you got to bend over backwards. The other thing is the research proves that there's really two stages to this, right? So customer complaints. Stage one is you answer. Stage two is you resolve, right? There's a difference between answering the question and solving the problem, right? Sometimes you can do both, but, but there's actually two pieces to it, right? Well, the research shows that the overwhelming majority of the benefit you get from a loyalty and advocacy standpoint is in the answer. You get just a little bit additional in the resolve. So what that means, said a, a plainer way, is that answering the customer is chicken, Solving the actual problem is gravy. Every you know, gravy's awesome, but you have to have chicken, right? So you answer every customer, and if you can solve their problem, great, but you don't necessarily have to solve their problem. You're gonna get a lot of credit just for saying, I hear you. No, I think that like psychologically that makes a ton of sense because a lot of times in these cases, the reason why I might go from sending an email to getting on the phone to finally social media is because like I, no one has heard me like no one, people might have spoken with me, but like they clearly don't get it. They don't understand what my problem is. Like you just want someone to be like, Hey, I get it. Like we're listening. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. And I think, well, I, this is kind of not necessarily the subject of your book, but it's something I was thinking about because some people and some businesses have done well by basically taking the crazies in not in doing almost the opposite like they respond to them but they do go overboard sometimes and like Ramit Sethi he does a lot of like um info products for getting people to create their own business and this and that and a lot of times he'll kind of call out people that will email him and be like oh is your stuff's overpriced this and that and he'll be like if this is you like I don't want you as a customer and obviously it's not a strategy for like a big business but like why does that work sometimes for even in politics, you'll see like Trump and we don't need to get political, but like a lot of politicians right now who are getting the support from who knows where are doing almost the opposite of this. They're responding 
but not in I hear you way. They're responding in a way that says, like, you're wrong. Yeah, like, it, I hear you, but absolutely. you're wrong. Yeah, it's because, as I said, customer service is the new marketing, right? So the same way that your marketing approach might be, we're not right for everybody, we're exclusionary, you're not smart enough to work with us or whatever. Uh, again, that's a little bit of a tightrope, but it works for some people. The same way that your marketing could be based on those values, your customer service could be based on those values too. All the examples that you talked about work because the way they handle those customers is in public, right? So that story, that story of, hey, I don't want you as a customer or you're not allowed to vote for me or whatever those those plays are, it only works because it's in public. If it was, hey, I just say that when you call, well, that's not going to, that doesn't matter, right? No one knows about that, right? So, so this whole idea of how you treat people in a customer service context becomes part of your brand, right? And so for those examples, it's very much in line with their brand. In fact, uh, one of the things I forgot to mention that agencies can do and should do for their clients is brand books for customer service, right? So how do we sound in a customer service reply? What language do we use? Do we or do we not use the names of the customer service representatives? Like all these sort of little cues that tie into the overall brand of the organization um, is something that agencies can help with. Yeah, and, and that actually makes me think of something else too. It's like um, with, I know you said you're not a big fan of like scripted responses. And like for me, and I know for a lot of other people, those are almost the things that when you receive as a customer, it's going to just piss you off. It's going to set you over the edge. And like, that's what's going to get you because you know they're not listening. You know they're not actually hearing you. They're just sending off some canned response. Yeah. It, I mean, it's pretty easy to find when people are just copying and pasting. Right. Um, be, because it's all out there in public, right? It's, it, you can get away with it on the phone very easy. You can get away with it in email very easily, but it's really hard to get away with it in, in social media or on review sites. It's just plain as a nose on your face. The other problem is that, you know, by definition, right, copy and paste doesn't have empathy. It can't because you're not really listening, right? You're just copying and pasting. And, and empathy is everything, right? I mean, if you really want to try and save that customer, uh, you have to say, look, I hear you as a human being, and I care that you are disappointed in us, and let me try and solve this problem. Uh, and when you're just like, oh, answer number three, copy, paste, that doesn't do any of those things. I get a lot of this and how it applies to agencies, but I think one of the big things is that some people are saying like, well, well, as an agency owner, like, well, my, my complaints or anything like that, they're not going to be against the agency publicly. Like, no one really rails against an agency, at least not that often on Twitter. Like, if they don't have big enough audiences. It's just not a thing that happens as often. But they'll still go to their peers. And if you work in any kind of vertical, like, most of your clients know most of the other potential clients you could work with. And like, that's almost worse where they'll just, you, you need to be proactive about stopping a lot of these issues and responding to them when they come up because that can just poison the entire well for your business. Absolutely. It, it really can. And and you're right. You're not going to get a lot of people you know, blasted in an agency on Twitter, but their clients may be getting blasted on Twitter. And agencies certainly may be getting mm. feedback on the phone or email, uh, which is a more likely scenario. And, and they should absolutely be handling those well as uh, also. Yeah. And I, I think that's it's a good point, too, that you made earlier because it's like, when you call the customer service as the new marketing, when you describe it that way, it makes entire sense because when done right, it sets you apart, it makes you unique, and it provides extra value to your customers, drawing them to you. And if you're kind of billing yourself as a full-service digital age marketing agency, like this is something you should offer because it is marketing now. I completely, I completely agree. And the reason I know it, it helps you 
set yourself apart and differentiate is that if I ask you right now, Andy, or anybody listening, and I say, Andy, uh, you know, who's really good at customer service? You can name two or three companies like that off the top of your head. Why? Because they're so rare. They are exceptional. Like they are the exception. Uh, and, and so that's how I know it can be used as a differentiator. My vision, my goal for this book and this whole hug your haters concept is that enough people gravitate toward it and adopt it that 12 or 18 months from now, if I say to you, Andy, who's really great at customer service, you can't come up with any names because so many companies are good at it now that they no longer stand out. They are no longer rare. That's my vision. Would that just reset the equilibrium where like those are now the table stakes? Like you have to do this to yeah, in, have in, any chance? You know, it will probably never happen because customer service is still like a complete afterthought and and the redheaded stepchild of most organizations. But but if it were going to happen, uh, yeah, I think I think what we consider to be great customer service now would become table stakes, and then the people that stand out would be the ones who are using big data to do predictive service and things like that. Right? It would be sort of the next move on the chessboard, probably. I hope I have to write a book about that someday. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll give you some great new material in the future. But so, how does this shape the the future of Convince and Convert? Like, what do things look like for your age, your your consultancy personally? Well, we help a lot of companies, um, you know, get more customers. Whether it's social media, content marketing, things like that. I mean, that's that's what we do. And we have for eight years is help people get more customers, and now we're helping them keep the customers they've already earned. So, so now we're doing a lot of customer experience, customer experience plans, a lot of customer service plans. Um, you know, we're we're putting into practice the kind of things that we've talked about here, uh, and helping mostly large companies um, figure those things out. Obviously, for me personally, uh, lots of travel, lots of speaking about hug your haters, and and that tends, of course, to to generate uh, generate leads on the consulting side also. Yeah, and so I saw you're going to be launching the Keep Your Customers course, yeah. um, which is – have you done a course like this before no, with any of your other material? First one, first course yeah, ever. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought this was new. Do you think you're going to experiment more with products like this? That's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, we're going to kind of go back and create products on some of the other things that we've been talking about for a while, um, you know, utility-type concepts and content marketing and, um, you know, influencer work and things like that. So that's the idea. I'm the, I'm the guinea pig. Uh, but yeah, multiple people oh, be cool. on our team um, are planning courses. So, you know, I think it's scary having never done a course before. We just don't really know that world very well. Um, it's, it's, it's daunting to get the first one done. But I'm hoping that sort of once we've got one role and then it becomes a lot easier to, to double down. What is that course going to be like? So what we're doing is taking the hug your haters approach um, to keeping your customers and then really walking people through like exactly how this works um, in practice with lots of exercises and how does this apply to your own business and things like that. So anybody who actually has customers um, uh, is going to benefit from it. It's a big course. There's seven modules, 55 videos, something like that. It's uh, it's a big one. I feel like going through that as an agency owner would make it way easier to, if you want to offer start offering some of these services yourself, this would be like a great primer for that. I think so. Absolutely. Hope we're hoping it's going to be ready four or five weeks from now. I've just got to, the, the curriculum's all done. I just have to shoot all the videos, which, you know, I can do it in a day. Um, cause I'm, you know, one take guy, but you know, uh, it's finding that day, uh, to, to shoot 50 videos. I just, uh, it's, it's busy season right now for speaking. So I gotta, I gotta get it figured out. I guess the, probably the most valuable thing for for listeners right now would be how can they do a better job of keeping of hugging their haters of their own clients of keeping their own clients happy. What would you say to them if they they think they're doing a great job but they're really not? How can they get started with this? I think part of it is is making sure that that you are 
tapping into all of your customer feedback. Like a lot of times in an agency scenario, the agency ownership or managers don't really know what customers are thinking because that customer feedback is coming through account managers, right? Or account coordinators or account directors. And so you don't really, really know. And so the, what you know about the customer is coming from your people, not from the customer. Like, like when you say, Hey, how's it going with this? I, mean, I do this every day. How's it going with this client? Well, the person I'm asking works for us. You know, I'm not asking the client how's it's going. So I think that's the first thing is to is to really find a way to have more direct interaction with the clients and, and solicit their feedback. That's the probably the best thing you can do uh, right now. Second thing is to figure out what you can own from that customer experience perspective we talked about. What can be your talk trigger? What can people say? You know what? I cannot believe that this agency does blank. Like what is your blank? Third piece would be make sure that your client's are understanding this principle because if they don't understand this principle, somebody in their category is going to, and it's going to hurt their revenue, which is going to hurt your revenue. So whether or not you want to get into providing these services, you better make sure that your customers understand that customer service is the new marketing, because if they don't, it's going to start cutting into your budget. Yeah. And honestly, that was one of the main reasons why I reached out to you because at first I followed you for a while, but at first when I heard about this, I was like, okay, this is going to be cool, but doesn't have a lot of kind of relevance agencies. But when I heard some of your speeches, when I picked up the book and went through it, I was like, yeah, like there's two sides to it. There's one, this is a new marketing. This is something that agencies should be offering their clients. But the other is like, they need to be doing a better job of it themselves. And so I'm really thankful you came on the show to kind of help, help uh, set the stage for all of that. But if people want to learn more about this, what's what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, two places. The official site for the book is HugYourHaters.com. Uh, all kinds of special bonuses there, too. If you buy a copy for your team or for your clients, I'll send you all kinds of cool free stuff. So HugYourHaters.com for the book. And then uh, all of our blogs. We do 12 blog posts a week, five podcasts a week, uh, and a daily email newsletter. All kinds of stuff for, for marketers and business people. Uh, it's ConvinceAndConvert.com. Awesome. I'll get all that linked up in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for coming on, Jay. Uh, Andy, thanks so much. I loved it. Great time. All right. It was a lot of fun. All right. See you, Jay. Cheers. Bye-bye. After talking with Jay, I totally get why he's such an in-demand speaker. He educates and engages, and it always has a relevant anecdote at hand, and it was a blast talking with him today. I think there really are two sides to customer service that apply to agencies and that are important to point out here. First, if your differentiation is that you really care about your clients, then you need to take a step back and make sure you live up to that because you probably don't. Every serious agency cares about their clients. If you want that to be what sets you apart, you need to truly blow them away. Remember, they're not just comparing you to other agencies. Do you ever check in with them randomly just to see how things are going? Do you respond to inquiries in under a minute? What do you do that you can point to and say, we do X, Y, and Z, and none of our competitors even think about that? Second, if you're a full-service digital marketing agency, then you need to educate yourself in the space so you can offer services to your clients to help them with their customer experience. Jay's not kidding when he says that customer service is now a spectator sport, and you can't deny that there are only a handful of brands that stand out in your mind when you think of exceptional customer service. You want to emulate them. Social media is not going anywhere, and if your clients keep using 1995's customer service playbook, they're going to get killed when their competition smartens up. Help them lead the way in their industry, and you'll both enjoy serious benefits. That's all for this week. Next week, I'll be back with Nate McGuire of Code My Views, and you'll learn how he's able to give his clients a guaranteed quote within 24 hours. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and head over to iTunes to leave a review. These reviews really help our rankings, which help us reach a wider audience. So if you can spare just a minute to do that, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.